You're tuned to The Conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Catherine Cruz. It was a little more than a year ago that a man walked into a Texas elementary school and shot and killed 19 children and two teachers. The heartbreak of Uvalde haunts us, as a little more than a decade ago, in Sandy Hook, 20 elementary school children and six staffers died at the hands of a gunman. Today we offer you a chance to talk about your concerns and fears as we prepare for a scenario that we hope never happens in Hawaii. Our guest in our studio today, Randy Tanaka, Assistant Superintendent for Facilities and Operations in the Department of Education. He's responsible for construction and maintenance of school facilities as well as security. Nice to see you, Randy. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you for being here. Thank you. Uh, Erica Yamauchi is a gun violence survivor and mother of two children in local public schools. She serves with the Hawaii chapter of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America, and she also works in the Governor's Office of Wellness and Resilience. Nice to see you, Erica. Thanks for having me. You know, and we're tackling this because this month, Governor Josh Green signed a law requiring active shooter drills in our schools, you know, preparing for a day that we pray never comes. But, you know, Erica, for a decade now, you've worked in this area of prevention. You know, you have a personal story. Please, please share with us what that is. Yes, I've been working in the gun violence prevention movement for about yeah, 10 years now. Um, I started working in it actually after Sandy Hook, pretty close um, to after Sandy Hook. I joined what now became Moms of Man Action chapters nationwide. Um, but it started out as a Facebook group, and I joined that original Facebook group. Um, and I had lost someone very close to me in high school to gun violence. I was in 10th grade when my best friend was killed um, by actually another one of our friends because of an unsecured gun in their home. Um, I woke up on a Saturday morning and had a call from a friend who told me that our friend had passed away in such a tragic way and it really rocked our whole community. Um, and I just want to prevent any family or community from going through that. Um, so after Sandy Hook is kind of when it really hit me that I couldn't just stand on the sidelines anymore and I really wanted to be part of yeah, preventing this kind of violence in our communities. And you have two young children in public mm-hmm. schools? Yes, yeah. And actually, Sandy Hook that year, my my first daughter was born. I think that also really made a big difference for me. Yeah. And Randy, you know, the governor just signed this uh, law, you know, mandatory active shooter drills. What does that mean? Because the schools normally do lockdown drills, right? So how different is that? Yes, I think, you know, the law galvanizes the relationships that we have to have with all our partnerships and our alliance with public safety. And it goes beyond public safety. It's community issues. It's family issues. Um, and the law, like I said, galvanizes that relationship. Uh, we've been working on this for some time now from, from the time these unfortunate situations have happened. And the name for uh, of the game for us and, and the superintendent is really student safety. That, you know, in everything we do, you know, our mission is to educate, but the the parents and the families have have to have some degree of assurance that when they send their kids to us that they're in a safe environment and we work hard at that every day of the week and so this new law i mean will it require that parents know in advance that you're going to be doing a drill this month i don't know how does that work um you know we're we're working a lot with um student support because it really starts there to identify 
or, or help a, a, a person that's having a rough day, right? And, and how do we address that and say, you know, maybe let's go, go sit down and talk story a little bit. Uh, we're very fortunate in Hawaii that we're very family-oriented. So it's not only mom and dad, but it's the uncle and the cousins uh, that, that ha- can participate in the solution. So student support is very important for us. We've been doing a lot of training for the last three or four years with our counselors and our teachers to identify that opportunity. Uh, we've been working on vulnerability assessments at the schools. Uh, schools are not built in the way to fortify students inside and threats outside, especially in Hawaii. Um, so we've been doing assessments, and we will have completed all our school assessments by the end of this year. Uh, and that's the first big step. We've been doing active shooter training at, at a lot of our schools. And then, once again, we've been working real close with our partnership alliance, whether it be HPD, uh, HIEMA Emergency Preparedness, uh, Shelter Access. So when the incident happened outside of Diamond Head, where unfortunately those two officers were killed, uh, the, one of our schools was a shelter for the community around. So we light up our schools and families come there and we, we provide some shelter for them. We work with the FBI, uh, the new Department of Law Enforcement, Department of Defense, and the Fusion Center. So um, we've been very proactive with this. And, and like you say, we hope that this day never shows up. But, you know, I'm a parent of two daughters. Um, when it gets that close, you know, you you got to really be proactive about this. And, and the DOE, I call it Education Plus. We do a lot more than just educating our kids. We're active participants in safety and security for our kids. And it starts before the first kid we pick up on the bus, right? It starts and then when we drop them off at school. Uh, and then pick them up at school and drop them off in, at their location from homes. So a lot plays into what we do. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be Monday through Friday because you mentioned that incident at Diamond Head with the two officers, and I was there that day, and you know there were kids at La Pietra that were there for some activity, and so they had to find some way to get those children out of there, yep. you know, and they got them through the... Um, the, uh, the that little residential subdivision, but you just never know when it's yeah. when it's going to happen. Uh, you know, uh, this week Education Week, the headlines. You know, they have a, st- uh, a story running. It says shooter drills, school shooter drills. Is there a right way to do them? And and I think that is, you know, on so many people's minds these days. We did uh, hear from some of our uh, listeners out there. Um, here's one that we got from uh, Jill. Hi, this is Jill from Kaneohe. And I'm wondering if there have been any studies that have shown the impact on children's mental health from participating in active shooter drills. Thank you. And then we also got an email from Alyssa, a school-based military life counselor and former DOE behavioral health specialist, uh, who raises a concern, you know, doing these types of drills without consideration for how participants, students and teachers will decompress and process after the fact would be grossly inappropriate and harmful. What concrete plans and guidance will be given to teachers to facilitate their accompanying and guiding students to this experience? And what kind of debriefing and or processing info will parents be provided to have conversations with their children once they get home? And I don't know, Erica, you, you, you've dealt with some of these issues in your work? Yeah, so I'd actually love to hear, too, um, what 
you know, DOE is thinking around the actual drills or training themselves because the bill is actually pretty broad and pretty vague. Um, and um, there's a lot of ways I think you can go about it. Um, from, you know, the every town um, side, we believe that they should be as trauma-informed as possible, meaning that we don't want to cause harm with these active shooter training or, or drills. Um, and so there are a number, number of... Um, studies that have been done that show that active shooter drills in schools um, are associated with, you know, lasting increases in depression and anxiety. And so we obviously want to minimize any kind of harm that we're, um, uh, yeah, showing students. So, yeah, I don't know, you know, if DOE has thought, you know, that far about standardizing practices, but we want to make sure that obviously they're, you know, trauma-informed. A lot of the standards, um, have shown to be um, effective even without using students in the drill. So focusing um, the training on actual personnel and faculty and staff. Um, obviously, if students need to be involved, that it's de- developmentally appropriate and that they are um, opted in and that parents can opt out. You know, you mentioned too um, earlier, if you do have a yeah, deeply feeling child or an anxious child, maybe that's not the best um, uh, yeah, use of their time um, and their mental health um, could be affected more. So, yeah. So, Randy, I don't know. Jump in here. Yeah. You know, we focus on staff first, right? Because they, when, should an incident happen, they're the ones that provide the direction, the evacuation, the shelter in space. All of that so they have to be trained up first of all um, and every school's different so that's the challenge we have it's not this model is the same as the model B model C they're all different so the vulnerability assessments give us that evaluation of what could happen at this school and we run these assessments when school is in session from an observation standpoint when the buses drop off what happens if this happens at that point during lunch period so it's a two-day program that we evaluate everything, the bell rings, where they're going, how the, uh, the group is flowing, and even at the pickup. So we design a plan based on that assessment and say, the assessment also tells us where our points of weakness are. Do we need to shore up fencing here? Do we need to lock down these gates? If somebody gets in, what do we do? Is camera gonna help? Are we adjacent to a city park that we use for emergency? escape if we have a fire alarm. So all of that is put into a bundle and said, this is what it looks like. The next big step is how do we, as a DOE and a community, protect our children? Now I visited a number of schools on the mainland and there's different designs now. It's not perimeter fencing, it's the structure that that keeps people out. We can lock the gate and they can't get into the classroom area. So you see a number of different models. What's the response time? when? all the police departments have diagrams of our school so our job is to identify where a shooter could be right and when they're on the move when i was at the university of hawaii community colleges we went through this drill uh, all the time and there's a thing called a cleary report that every college is required to report criminal activity and in situations uh, around their their colleges Uh, so that's all part of the evaluation we do on a constant basis, but we start with staff first because they've got to know how to respond. And with your job, you're in charge of facilities as well, and they're, you know, uh, 
there's discussion about hardening schools right on the mainland and and we're the only one that has a centralized you know department mm-hmm. so i know our issues are a little bit different and we have pretty much open campuses yeah. Yeah. that that's a design issue and you're seeing new designs coming on board saying this is how we protect the campus this is how we protect our students all dynamic i sit on this uh organization for a council of great city schools and there have been numerous discussions about backpacks clear backpacks so they can see what's going some schools are installing magnetometers but is that the kind of environment Mm -hmm. that we want our students to be in will they become traumatized right Mm -hmm. so it's all active discussion and those dynamics change all the time And Erica, you know, what do these groups have to say about hardening schools? Yeah, I just, I kind of, to um, Randy's point, I remember, yeah, being in elementary school and loving, you know, the indoor-outdoor aspect of our school. I went to Mililani, Waena, and I remember having class under the trees, and, you know, my um, daughter's school now, their elementary school, every door opens to the outside. Right, so it's just very hard to think about how we harden these schools um, in Hawaii where we have really special places of, of learning and education um, that is very indoor-outdoor. Um, and one thing I want to also mention on the piece about you know not including students and why that's important is also because we know that 80% of school shooters are usually part of the school community, meaning they're a student or former student. And so as a preventative measure, does that really make sense to, you know, have students um, as part of those drills? Um, And, you know, with my own story, I talked about secure gun storage. I'm really hoping for a more comprehensive approach. You know, we talk about, you know, hardening schools and, um, you know, fencing and those kind of things. But I think it's really important to think about the prevention. How do we make sure that, you know, active shooter situations just don't happen, period? Um, how do we prevent them from happening? And I think, um, yeah, with, with students, you know, usually being the shooters themselves, and also they're usually getting a weapon from their own home, um, the secure gun storage notifications and mailings to families. Now that we know, again, that gun ownership is on the rise in Hawaii, it's really important that we do more around that, too. And, you know, we were talking about public schools, but we also reached out to uh, some folks with our private schools. Uh, Gerald Teramai, head of school at Island Pacific Academy, uh, he emailed us saying that, you know, we strongly feel and know that these drills are part, a vital part of developing a safe and nurturing environment and community at IPA. Moreover, practice makes perfect. And if you don't have a plan and practice this plan, you're planning to fail and people will get hurt. At IPA, we practice our drills monthly when school is in session and at different times and days. We do give our faculty and staff prior notice as to the type of drill we'll be conducting, whereby we'll either lock down in place or evacuate the buildings to a designated location off campus. And, you know, I don't know, Randy, does the law mention that we have to give notice to parents before these drills are conducted? No, it's not that specific. I think this first step is to galvanize the relationship with our law enforcement partners. So, so, so that's, and we've had discussions with the new Department of Law Enforcement, the new agency, um, and we've had a, a discussion with Mr. Lowe and Billy Oku, who are leading that organization. We've had a number of discussions um, on what they think and what resources they can bring to us 
to to broaden that opportunity. I go back to um, I think it was Vince Lombardi that says perfect practice makes perfect play. So it's not only the drills, but you got to do it extraordinarily well that it's second nature to you. If we have to evacuate, we have to lock in place. Those things are executed at its highest level. We're piloting a project right now to address these door lock issues. We're taking a school and we're changing all those locks where it can be locked down. Uh, so that that's critical. You know, I heard uh, this young lady speak. She was part of the Virginia Tech shooting and how traumatic that can be. She got shot, I think, three times, right? And they could hear the shooter coming down the hall. And she shares her story about what that was like and when we talk about trauma and every year when that anniversary date comes up it's that recall that makes it real hard on anyone involved so we need to help those folks uh, and we need to get that cross-section of everybody involved saying this is how we stop it and just like you say are we securing the guns at the at the home properly right. are we addressing kids that are maybe a little bit more distressed it, it's everything. It's not one thing. It's everything. Right. We as a community yeah. need to step up. Well, if you're just joining the conversation, we're talking about preparing for an active shooter situation in our schools, and we'd like to know what's on your mind. You can join the discussion by calling us, 941-3689 or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. We'll be right back after a break. Support for HPR comes from Mobi, a Hawaii wireless company serving the island since 2005, committed to providing personal service to each customer, featuring a locally-based customer care team. Learn more at Mobi.com. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Dr. Rajiv Party, author of Dying to Wake Up. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about my near-death experience under the book Dying to Wake Up. Beginning Sunday morning at 11. Support for The Conversation comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Anchor Systems Hawaii. You're back with the conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio, and we're talking about active shooter drills. We did reach out to the uh, Hawaii Association for Independent Schools. Phil Bossert is the executive director. You know, and unlike uh, the public school system, you know, he can't say, okay, everybody, this is what we're going to do, because you have very many different entities. But here's what he had to say about what's happening in our schools. Well, I think it is exactly true that to the extent that a teacher has to stand in front of a class and say, okay, in case somebody comes into our building with a gun wanting to kill us, this is what we all need to do. And so that that could, for some people, create sort of an inherent fear that that might happen. And so, as you say, create trauma. So that's a real issue. 
I don't think we should cancel the lockdown drills because of that, but we might want to have some additional discussions or training that go along with those that indicate that it's something that is highly unlikely to happen, even though it's increasingly happening across our country, that in Hawaii especially, I think we've been terrifically lucky that nothing like this has happened. And, you know, as we read uh, the headlines about these cases that have happened, we know the schools are all doing different things. You know, some have, uh, what, fake blood in these drills. Some have actors. And, you know, I, I don't know. How is the DOE looking at this? You know, we try to cover the most likely scenario and then spread out beyond that. And, you know, Catherine, you and I talked when I was at the convention center and we did APEC and all those drills you know, you have to trust that these people in public safety know what they're doing. And I will tell you, they know what they're doing. I mean, this is their profession. You know, when we did APEC, I mean, Department of Defense sent, uh, Department of State sent me to New York to watch uh, UNGA, the United Nations function, and how the New York police had 40,000 officers in Manhattan. So they do this well. And our our public safety guys do it well. It's the communication. And I think that's what this legislation does. It forces and, like I said, it galvanizes the relationship. It said, guys, you guys better be working together, and we're going to do it this way. And I think we're well on our way. We, we've been doing it for a while. You know, when we had that APEC conference, all the uh, ec economic-focused uh, meetings with world leaders, uh, I was really impressed at, at what Hawaii did and, right. and the, those extreme measures, uh, you know, so it was impressive. Uh, so, yeah, you have to put our trust in our law enforcement that we're going to make the right decisions. You know, we've seen the mistakes on the mainland about delays and making decisions or make, making the bad call. But, uh, yeah, we, we want to make we want to know that our law enforcement you know, is trained and knows how to respond properly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Phil Bossert, you know, also said that. Yeah, they, they try and, and be prepared uh, as best they can, uh, but, you know, the world is changing. Even though my understanding is in the the current gun laws in the state, you're not supposed to be walking around with a concealed gun anywhere within a couple of blocks of a school. And there's a lot of schools, public and private, <laughs> in Honolulu. And so you couldn't walk very many places with a concealed gun then. But I do think whenever there's more people carrying a gun, the likelihood that somebody's going to get shot certainly increases. So I definitely think with the number of permits being increased, that it increases the likelihood that there will be a school shooting. And you know, Erica, I know we just had an incident in a, a public school where someone brought a, a pellet gun, you know, and, and you just worry. Yeah. Um. It's definitely something that, again, I worry about as um, I also have two daughters, again, in, in public schools. Um, and I and going back to what you said about you know, using you know, real blood and that kind of thing, again, if the law enforcement wants to use that in their drills, um, you know, that's one thing. But we definitely, for sure, um, that's not a trauma-informed way of doing drills with, with students, obviously. Um, so, and I'm, yeah, I'm confident that Department of Education is is aware of that. You're nodding your head there, Randy. Yeah, you know, the, the positive thing from that is other students reported this to the administration and say, you know, this guy's carrying a gun, and so we could address it, right? Uh, and not 
and it's not being communicated. So that's part of the solution. Um, you know, we're trying to create better citizens, right? And that's what education's about. So I think how we address these issues, our student support guys work on it all the time. We've done three conferences training our, our staff, our leadership group, the principals and the vice principals. Um, so it's, it's an ongoing process. This is not going to back away. This is something that we have to do on a regular basis. That's just the reality of where we are today. You know, uh, there was that one incident where a child got access to a gun, brought it to school, and I think there were other folks that tried to flag this, that we think this child has a gun, and it was ignored by the staff, and then unfortunately that teacher got shot. I mean, she recovered, but it's the the trauma of, I think, watching this and being on the receiving end of a gun, you know, a small child, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, You, you can't underreact and you can't overreact. You've got to address the issue and just, you know, take it to the next level. But, you know, you can't be running around, somebody's got a gun. you got to address it properly. And that's what all the training does for our team. Yeah. And so, uh, Randy, with this law, uh, this bill being signed into law, what can we expect out there, uh, you know, as families return to the classroom this fall? Well, I think we've been doing this pretty actively in the last four or five years. Like I said, the vulnerability assessments will be completed by the end of the, the uh, December this year. That's 258 schools plus charter schools. And then our cycle is every three years we do these assessments again, so it's ongoing. We've already working with a contractor regarding active shooters, and we've done uh, a number of the programs at the schools already. Uh, and then what, like I said, this law uh, really gets all our public safety officials together and say, listen, the law says this. What are we doing? What's the next steps? Uh, And we go from there. And then anything that uh, you think uh, that your organization would like to see as this conversation gets going here? Yeah, I've already been really, you know, um, heartened by what Randy shared. Um, I think one thing that I was thinking about um, as he was talking was, that yeah, these school-based interventions are you know so important. Whether you call them threat assessment or um, crisis management, um, anticipating again and and trying to prevent the shooting from occurring before it does is you know the most important thing I think we can do. Um, so yeah, whether that is uh, identifying um, dangerous behavior, so again like the pellet guns or seeing someone with a weapon posting things on social media that we know um, can be warning signs. All of those have to be fostered by a school climate that's both, we want it to be physically safe, but then also psychologically safe, right? So how can we create those climates within our schools um, so that students feel comfortable reporting something that they see on social media or in someone's backpack? Yeah, social media has changed the landscape so radically. Um, and. You know, it's part of the steps that we have to take. You got to monitor social media. Where does that alarm get to the next level? Uh, and you know, it, I cannot imagine a day where I have to address an incident in a school. How horrific that is! And if you can imagine yourself being a parent, what that would be like. And so we've got to do everything we possibly can, and even more to be proactive about this issue. You know, like I said, I have two daughters and, you know, 
I cannot imagine what that would be like. You know, there was a time in our public schools when gangs uh, were a real problem, and uh, you know, th- kudos to the folks, the administrators, the principals, and or law enforcement. We really came together, uh, you know, because we were watching things happen and play out in the schools that should not have. Uh, people are concerned about what's going on on the west side of Oahu. You know, we're, we're seeing these teens being killed by other young people with guns. And you know, we're wondering how are they getting their hands on these uh, uh, these weapons and bringing them around. So it, it, it is a concern. But, uh, you, you, Brandy, you talked about a pilot project with the locks. Anything else that you folks are looking at? looking constantly like the the VAs and the active shooters. It's all part and parcel of these, for lack of a better term, an organogram of all the stuff. Have we covered this? Have we covered that? What are we missing? What are we talking about student support? How are we being proactive? So it's constantly dynamic, and we're watching on what's happening on the mainland, right? Um, and security of guns in the homes. How are we being proactive in that area? Uh, and how do we, gun education is part of the deal too, right? Uh, licensing and, you know, conceal and carry, um, it's it's very, very, very dynamic. And then what are you doing to work with, uh, let's say, the unions, the teachers union or HGA, you know, the folks that represent the workers in our schools, UPW? I, yeah, I think the beauty of, of this is we're all on the same page. They have kids too. They're uncles and aunties and like I said God forbid that this happens in one of our schools and the beauty of Hawaii is we're all one family somebody this same with six degrees of separation I mean we're a lot closer than that so hopefully we can all stay tight as a community you know I recall when my son went off to college and the first day of school I dropped him off first day of school I came back and jumped on the computer uh over here and happened to see the headlines that there was a child who was grabbed and uh, whose throat was slashed, you know, and that was on a college campus on the first day. It was was a freshman walking to his first class, and I just remember thinking how scared I was, and I was wondering, you know, where was he and where were his friends? And uh, that administrator, the president of the university, you know, uh, did the right thing and was updating, you know, all of us out there because there were so many families that were, were worried about this and kept us updated. And I think that communication was a wonderful thing. And I actually shared that story with uh, David Lassner, uh, the university president here, just saying, you know, uh, kudos to that university president for communicating on a daily basis the, the status of the child and the investigation. So. Uh, yeah, it strikes home whether you yeah. you know whether your I bet kids you, in, you wanted to pull your kid back home. Yeah, well, w- whether your kids in elementary yeah. school or in college, mm-hmm. you worry about them, you know. Yeah. And you should. That's what a parent does. Right. Yeah, and we've been seeing you know uh, more of these incidents, and and we need to know how to react. Uh, anything else that you think that you would like to see as part of this conversation as we work toward a policy? I guess going back to yeah being more trauma informed crisis intervention, um, I'd love to see you know the school behavioral health and mental health professionals be involved in the trainings and figuring out what the best you know content is for each you know campus. Um, I think that's really important too. Yeah, you know it's it's uh, I know there's been criticisms of our legislators and but I will tell you Senator Kidani. Uh, Senate President Kochi, uh, Donovan, um, we have a program called ALC, Alternate Learning, 
program. And those are the kids that are more economically stressed, their family stressed, and, and we have programs to really help these kids to not go in the direction that the track they're on now. And, and we gotta do this stuff. We gotta help these kids because the alternative is we're trying to cut off the pathway to prison. We're trying to help these kids, and that's what we gotta continue to do. And I think they've supported the program tremendously. Um, Superintendent Hayashi has been extraordinarily supportive of it. So we're, we, we've got a lot of things on the table to keep moving forward. So, you know, I thank those guys for the, the support. And, and you in journalism, Catherine, you're the, the town crier to let people know what's happening. Because without this informed community, we cannot solve the problem. So thank you. Well, you know, I just know with all the mass shootings, you know, the Xerox shooting, that was a major thing in our community. You know, it was a student who, you know, was in the air rifle uh, a team. And, and, you know, sadly, uh, he had worked, it was work place violence. But that was something that also affected schools nearby when that was, was going down. You know, they we instituted lockdown drills, I think, after that because we've never had that situation before and we had to deal with it. Uh, so, yeah, all cases that we learn from, and hopefully we never see it, you know, play out in the schools. Um, but, uh, you know, we encourage our listeners out there uh, to take part in this discussion. Uh, please feel free to call us at 941-3689 or 1-877-941-3689 for the neighbor islands and join our discussion about active, stu- uh, active shooter drills in our schools. We'll be right back after the break. Support for HPR comes from the Hawaii Community Foundation, committed to an equitable and thriving Hawaii, supporting initiatives such as affordable housing, fresh water, and the healthy development of young children. HawaiiCommunityFoundation.org. On the next Fresh Air, we remember former military analyst and activist Daniel Ellsberg, who died last week at the age of 92. He made history in 1971 by leaking the secret study of the Vietnam War known as the Pentagon Papers. And he was still leaking classified material and challenging government secrecy at the age of 90. Join us. Fresh Air, beginning this afternoon at 3, following Science Friday. tuned to the conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio, and we're talking about active shooter drills in our schools. Uh, we did hear from uh, current students and former students of uh, public school here uh, on Oahu. Uh, here's a snippet of uh, what they are thinking. I don't really know what to say, to be honest, because there's not really that many that happen. <laughs> But, I mean, I guess it's at least good practice to know when there's a shooter. Okay. Is that something that, that you guys are concerned about? Is that something that you guys are afraid of, that there might no. that it might happen here? No, not really. It doesn't happen that often. 
once in a while. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's I, it's a good thing to at least prepare because you get practice, and if it actually do it does happen, then you know what to do before it, it does happen. I mean, it's sad that that has to happen. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be a reality for us. I mean. But on the other hand, when I think about when I grew up and we would do, you know, earthquake drills and things like that, that was the main concern. But now that it's about that, I mean, I get why you would want your kids to be prepared, but it's also really scary that that has to happen. I think that's awesome. We need something like that because nowadays they're like, they're shooting up on the west side. You never know they might bring it to town or... You know, if they're if they're gonna if they have if those guys are shooting on the west side, they might come all over the island and shoot up anything. It's really sad. I don't want them to come around and shoot okay. anyone around here. Okay. And I, I think are they gonna put like um, bulletproof houses in the school? Uh, that I'm not for like sure. Little, yeah. But if but you know how schools have fire drills, you know they have hurricane drills or earthquake drills. Oh Act, yeah. So now that it'll just be nice. one more yeah. thing, yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, and that was uh, Norma, who graduated from McKinley High School, Melissa from Radford, and uh, Justin, who is a Mauna High School student. Uh, we also have a caller on the line. Uh, Brian, what's on your mind? Brian, are you there? Oh, we might have lost him. So uh, hopefully... Um, we can pick that up or we will uh he will he'll call back in brian are you there i am here ah yes so what's on your mind um can you hear me now yes okay um i have a nine-year-old and i wanted to state the fact that kids are already traumatized um i don't my son doesn't watch the news um he's nine but he seems to worry like he has worry frowns on his face and once i asked him a couple months ago i said you know do you worry about things he says yeah dad who, who do you think is going to do something if someone comes into the classroom with a gun because he's you know he's a little brown belt he's a gold medalist in nationals for taekwondo and he thinks he has to be a hero and i told him you know but he can't worry about things having been a lifeguard in hawaii for seven years i told him um that you know worry is like paying interest on a debt that may not come due. You can be prepared and aware, but not worried. Like as a lifeguard, you're not worried about stuff um, gonna happen. You're just ready if it does, but you just take the day as it comes. And it, it seemed to pacify them a little bit, but they, they are already hearing about it through each other or social media or somehow, but they're hearing about these shootings and it is, it is traumatizing them. And thank you for letting me speak. Well, is there anything that you would like to see as these drills get rolled out across the state? Um, yeah, I think the idea, the one lady expressed the idea of having blood and act, that's, that's, I think, a super bad idea. But the drills do need to be done. I mean, I remember, I'm old enough, I got blessed late in life with children, but I remember we used to have the nuclear bomb drills, right? We had to go on our desk, like that was really going to help. But no, they do need to have the drills. I didn't know that 80% of the, the school shooters were former students. That's an, an amazingly horrific stat. So I, I think they need to do the drills, but there needs to be, I think, post-drill the talk like, hey, you don't have to worry. You just need to be aware and be prepared. Don't worry, but be aware and be prepared. Yeah, so Randy, how do we do this? How do we address this? Yeah, we, get, we give the parents and the 
students access to our, our counselors, to our uh, health psychi- psychiatric specialists, so they have access to that. Um, you know, you don't, it's, it's a real fine balance. So you go up and up the kid, are you okay? Or, hey, can we? And that's where the teachers are so critical because they sense the tempo in the classroom. They sense the tempo on the, on the playgrounds. So, you know, it's, it's a proactive method uh, to, to observe and watch and listen to what the kids are saying. Um, like I said, Superintendent Hayashi and Heidi Armstrong, who's, who's in charge of the, the, the principals across the state, and the complex area superintendents are highly sensitized to this stuff. And like you said, the incidences go up, uh, and we just got to raise the threshold of that awareness. This is not going to go away, but it's how well we are prepared. We can, we can describe the problem ad nauseum, but the name of the game is how do we provide solutions to the problem, and that's being proactive. You know, we've just come out of this pandemic, and that was a scary experience. And, you know, I know of kids who didn't want to talk to anyone face-to-face, and they would face the wall and have a conversation because they didn't want to get sick. They didn't, you know, and so that was a scary time for all of us, adults and children. And, yeah, I worry about what this might do to them. Your thoughts, Erica? Yeah, I mean, school should be, yeah, a safe place for our children to grow to learn um, any incident that you know causes trauma to them um, you know hurts that ability to learn right so I think you know again we just need to be careful um, as we implement this law and I know again Randy's um, committed to doing that um, we have a real opportunity to yeah do it right knowing everything that we know and the best practices that we've seen across the country and, and I think parents, you know, the, you know your children, right? So if you've got a little worry wart or a nervous Nelly, you yeah, know, yeah. you just need to... Um, you you got to hug your kid every yeah, once exactly. in a while, you know. You gotta, I, I walk through elementary schools, and it's great to see the kids saying hi to the principal. And, you know, they, there's that relationship, and that's what we got to foster to build a trust, right, and help the kids through this stuff. Um, and, you know, like I said, I call it Ed Plus. The, the yeah. education's doing everything plus you know so yeah it's a tough goal yeah that communication with parents is so important and again goes back to the trauma-informed framework that I think we all want to see that communication to parents so if you know you have a more nervous or deeply feeling kid to be able to prepare them and and debrief with them um, is really important too you know we also heard from uh, a number of parents you know about this training being mandatory in the schools here here's what some of them had to say Oh, yeah, yeah, they should definitely okay. have to trained. Okay. Why do you feel that strongly? I feel like if the person is certified and is a, is a, has gun control, that if something happens to our children, that they should be protected, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then they would know what to do if that ever would happen. I believe they should have training. I believe it's safe and that this thing is going on in the world now. It isn't very safe and, and to know what to do in case of that event happening occurring it's happening in all the other states and here too it's like kids with guns so yeah it should be something it should be something to be trained on and be aware of and, and you know so i have some kind of training on it educated on it and you have kids that were in public school right yes i also work for the federal government at shipyard okay. and we go through that ourselves we okay. have active shooting training ourselves and I, I think everybody should go through it okay. 
When your kids were in school, were you afraid that there might be a school shooting? At that time, it wasn't as bad as it is now, so no, I felt pretty safe about them back at that time. You know, she graduated 2017, it wasn't that bad, it wasn't really something to be thought of, but nowadays it's getting crazier, so yeah. I would think now if I had a child in now, yeah, so definitely if I knew about this sooner, I would have supported it a long time ago. Yeah, so it just sounds like parents, they want to do the right thing. Uh, they're glad that, you know, the governor's taking some steps to uh, deal with this. And, and, you know, Erica, you work in the Office of Resiliency, right? I mean, that's what we need to focus on. Yes. Yeah. So the newly formed Office of Wellness and Resilience is in the governor's office. And we are you know, focused on trying to make sure that all of our state departments are implementing trauma-informed practices, trauma-informed care, um, and minimizing the harm that... that um, uh, state government and and other agencies um, may cause in the community and trying to rectify um, past harms. You know, the, the parents that uh, we heard from, you know, where there are active shooter drills in the workplace. I mean, I don't know, when you were with uh, the convention center, with you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, here's a collection of building that can hold 30,000 people. And if someone had bad intentions, what would you do? You know, uh, and like I said, I, they send me to all kind of training for, for APEC, and um, you know our shelter was all Moana Beach Park. You got to be at least a mile away from the bomb blast, the pressure blast. Um, so a lot of training. Um, we had a good security team. Um, so yeah, you got to train all the time. You you got to be aware. You got to know where to go. It has to be second nature. Not that you got to think about if something happens. You got to know where to go. Right. And I think that Governor Green is, um, you know, because he comes from the health care area. You know, it's not only it's, it's the economic situation of our citizens, homelessness, all of that. I think he's collecting a place where we're going to try to get some relief here. You know, safety starts at home. Right. The kids got to be feeling safe and, and within his family uh, that he's, he's in good shape or she's in good shape. So I think the governor's on that that track. He's signed a number of health care-related bills quickly. Um, so I think, I think it's a good thing. And then, I don't know, can you share any of the discussions that that office has had, you know, just about fortifying ourselves and our families? So our, yeah, our office is, again, um, newly formed, but we're looking at all of these, um, you know, again, practices that build resilience in our communities. And many times they're already there, um, cultural practices, um, and other um, things that have strengthened our communities for a long time. And how can we build on those to, um, yeah, kind of treat those pressing root causes of in, yeah, issues that we're seeing um, more and more here in, in the islands. So if it's a mental health issue, mm -hmm. we get right to that root of that problem and catch it early. Exactly. I think, you know, the stuff that uh, Lieutenant Governor is doing with Keiki Ready getting them in three-year-olds and four-year-olds early into the education system so we can build this rhythm of education. At the end of the day, we've got to be able to educate our society and our, our folks that this is the right thing to do and this is not the right thing to do. So a lot of the initiatives coming out from this administration, from the legislators, are all in the positive direction. This bill formed by the legislators and governor's senate signs it moves us in the right direction so you know we got to keep that momentum going okay 
Um, and I think we've got about, oh, I don't know, three minutes left or so. Any final thoughts, um, Erica? Um, I think the last thing that I'll just share is that, you know, I, I, kind of similar to the themes that we've been talking about, it takes all of us. Um, yeah, whether we're in advocacy, nonprofit, government, um, education, um, it really does take all of us. And so I would encourage people to yeah, find your kind of place in it. Um, yeah, whether it's in the gun violence movement or yeah, preventing you know any kind of um, violence in our communities, whether it's in the mental health um, space, um, all of these issues just um, are so complex and we can't solve them um, alone for sure. So yeah, please get involved however you can. And Randy, your thoughts? Yeah, I think you know it. It takes a village. We're all vested in this. I mean, it's our family, it's our friends, our cousins, our neighbors. If you need help, ask for help. There's a lot of ways to help out there. Uh, and thank you, you know, Public Radio and Catherine and, you know, bringing the issues to the forefront and saying being an informed community is a well-value-set community, and you guys have to do that. You have a tremendous responsibility. But thank you very much for all the hard work you guys do. Is there anything you want to say to our neighbor island listeners, you know, because we are a statewide system? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's amazing what the DOE does. You know, and I've been fortunate to be involved in a number of public service areas. But the Department of Education um, statewide agency does a tremendous job. I, I, when I first came here three and a half years ago, I could not imagine what this thing is like from the smallest schools at Pahala to Na'alehu to across the state. Um, and you have a group of teachers and staff that really care for their, their students. I, I, I tell, you know, the, the, the students are the beneficiaries of our hard work. Mm -hmm. The parents are our customers. So, you know, it, it, I think Hayashi's doing a great job. He's put together a good team. Uh, and we go from there. Every day is a, a work. And will we have, you think, a, a big news conference talking about this before the start of the new year? What to expect? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know yet. I, we just grind it every day. You know, that's what you just got to do. You got to put on your work shoes and go to work. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we certainly uh, appreciate you carving time out, both of you, uh, for coming to talk about this very important issue, uh, you know, uh, it's June, it's summer, but lots of work is going on to prepare for the, the school year and summer school. Uh, but again, uh, urging everyone, uh, please, it's a situation that we're dealing with as a community, as a country, and uh, the headlines are very scary, so uh, we need to work together uh, toward this common goal. We'd like to thank our guests, Randy Tanaka, Erica Yamauchi, and we thank you, the listener, for joining us on today's show. If you have a comment to share or a question, call or talk back line, 808-792-8217. You can also send us an email at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. And if you want to listen back to today's show, check out the Conversation podcast at hawaiipublicradio.org. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us next week for more of the conversation. Stay safe, everybody.